I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy... uh... Almost TBT, happy Summer League, happy uh, the crazy NBA uh, trade cycle uh, slash free agency is almost pretty much over. We're very much in the doldrums of summer here. ACC football kickoffs next week. You get to have my annual ranking of uh, men's slacks. The, the, The beloved tradition that nobody asks for and fewer and fewer people care about every year. I always appreciate it. I thought it was, I mean, in the tradition of stupid things this blog's done, I feel like it's not really very high. I also feel like it's one of those things where uh, most people forget probably between every year and then it comes back to like, oh yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> That's right. We, we, we rank. Yeah. <laughs> probably spent entirely too much time on. Yeah, John, John spent two hours looking at men's dress pants <laughs> and trying to figure out how, how, how they fit on them. That's fine. Uh, Anyway, uh, we'll get into more of that next week. Uh, we're actually having an earlier than normal episode next week, so you'll get an episode next Tuesday when Dan and I will be in the same state, um, but in very different places, which is only the second same state podcast we've ever had. So Yes, one time we were in the same place. Um, we've also been in the same place other times, but not recording podcasts. <laughs> too true, too true. Um, Dan, why don't we start off um talking about uh, what's on everybody's mind this week and as a native long islander is definitely on my mind um the bagel boss guy and 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 who in the uh in the acc is the bagel boss guy we 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 briefly discussed this before and i I missed your conversation with david hale on twitter um it's very possibly us (laughs) it's i I think it's entirely us in basketball uh you you figure i mean see david hale's must-haves for um, for being the bagel boss guy, uh, short fuse, um, all consuming self doubt about one flaw. <laughs> oh, oh, the, oh, the puns. <laughs> yeah. And a, uh, <laughs> a lack of discipline to keep from going back for the bagel. And, and we're actually wrong somewhere along the way, but now anger is just directed at anyone, anytime. Yeah. The, really the, the thing, the only things that like, make it definitively like the only things that keep it from being definitively us are the two final fours during the AC. Well, do we make one or two during the ACC that made one? one. Right we yeah. The other one was right. As we were leaving. One was like our last act of a big, as a big East team, I think. Rightfully so one, so. Eight, one final four. And then this past football season, um, I said this past football season was like us picking up the bagel at the end. Um, the final four run, I think there's a little bit of a wrench into, into it. Um, but we are definitely loud and for large stretches have not been all that intimidating. And um, I wouldn't say Clemson is the dude who I, I think Clemson is probably the person that he get like bodies uh, at first because we have stood up to Clemson. Um, I, until this year, I think Florida state would be the person who eventually let us and put us into a, a headlock and then yelled at us. Um, so there's no perfect, it's not perfect, 
but you you can see where we're going here. Yeah, I uh, I, I think in basketball it's us, but and David says in football it's Miami. I would say I would say there's some some logic there, but I think I think it's NC State. I, I think the the prevailing. I think you can make that across any sport. Um, if you bring up, I mean, even look at today's news, where, where NC State commits violations that that were you know far from the severity of UNC's, and yet the NCAA feels so strongly about UNC's violations that they punish NC State for them. Um, I, I think that the Wolfpack fans, uh, while in, enjoyable to to talk with, are uh, are perennially. Uh, feeling wronged, um, do think of themselves maybe a little bit bigger than they actually are, which is something I think a lot of ACC teams can. Um, they have been wronged uh, in, in in some ways in the past, but yeah, do kind of hold on to that quite a bit. Uh, I, I think if I'm going with anyone, like in, as an all sports uh, bagel boss guy, I, I think it's NC State. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's also a very fair candidate. Um, it's also like when he got really tough and you look like, like for a minute there, that's like when they beat Duke at Cameron, like every three years. Um, and then the aftermath of that was like every time. When, when they lose the Georgia, when, when they lose to Georgia tech the following week. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they lose every significant football game of note over the last, uh, however many years. When they, when they miss a late field goal against Clemson. When they pay Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, a undisclosed amount of money, uh, I don't actually. It's, it's not. It's not uh, undisclosed. It's out there. I just don't remember. I think it was like forty grand, uh, allegedly. Um, and then Miss Chance double tournament, <laughs> and then he goes pro. Yeah, the, the, this the, the, this is right up there with uh, with Greg, with Greg Robinson getting uh, getting wind stripped. It's like yes. you, you you spent the money on the wrong thing. <laughs> And then, like Greg Robinson, he's going to that. That guy's never going to be heard from again. Like the fact that we don't know his name yet, unless it broke while I was like, you know, between leaving work and, and getting here. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. Like th- there's there's no amount of obscurity for like that that ever exists on the internet, and yet this guy still seems to be kind of a mystery. Which is fun, I guess. Gets play. Yeah, I don't uh... need this guy docs. Like I, I ultimately, like I kind of feel bad for him. Like he was, you know. I don't say he. I won't say he didn't like deserve to get put on the floor and like calm down for a bit. Although he didn't calm down after we saw the aftermath video. But um, I don't know that I need to know who he is or have his life ruined. Like it's uh, clearly enough's been going on. Oh yeah, and, I, 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 I think he's. Yeah, I, I think he's already experienced enough shame for a lifetime. I think we can. I think we let his name stay out of it. I, I am both. I just wish I had a fuller picture of like. The, I want to say 12 hours before and after the bagel boss incident. Like I really <laughs> want to know what happened the night before on whatever dating app of choice he's on. And then what happened after when I assume he like went to work or whatever. Um, because my God, there's no way he doesn't know that he is incredibly internet famous. Like you just can't, you just can't avoid that. With, well, you know, the, 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 this goes one of two ways. Either he, either he comes out and like owns it, and goes, and, and then like turns into like one of those really annoying internet people. It's like, yeah, I'm the bagel yeah. boss guy. Like he t- turns into one of those, or or he comes out and talks about like, how GoFundMe. You, yeah, or GoFundMe about how humiliated he is. Like the, the, those are really the only way. I honestly, the, the twelve hours before and after is fascinating. I'd love. I, this isn't going to happen, but I'd love the like American Vandal treatment on this. Oh, it'd be so good. <laughs> it's American Vandal on Netflix. Uh, unfortunately, it's been canceled, but the, the two seasons of it are sublime and unique. And uh, yeah, go, go watch those, especially the first season. Yeah, f- first season's fantastic. If, <laughs> you're you're going to doubt it in the beginning, especially if you are, uh, you know, not, not at heart a, a 13-year-old boy. But it, it, it really is a concept. You need to have faith. You need to like, just throw some faith at, and it will reward you so, like, tenfold. It's yeah, just fantastic. <laughs> um, we are, this is maybe the the most off-topic we've ever been right off the bat. Like, usually we, we've gotten more off-topic than this because we did try to tie it in. But just, like, we started just so far removed from uh, Syracuse anything or the Big Ten, which we're going to talk about later. And I'm impressed. I'm impressed with us. This is, I mean, hilariously ramshackle. 
<laughs> the, 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 real, the real story is like the biggest news in Syracuse this week is like what the TBT jerseys or Jeremy Grant getting traded. Well, we're going to talk about the latter for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of, um, Jeremy Grant got traded as the Oklahoma City Thunder burned before our eyes. Um, I'm bummed that I'm never going to be able to see the Thunder at like even half strength. Um, probably won't even see them with Russ on the roster. Oh, he's he gone. Oh, he's definitely gone. But yeah, OKC after uh, Paul George, which we mentioned last week, headed to the Clippers. Um, they got a ton of picks back. Uh, I think they started to realize that kind of time's run out on this core. Uh, so Jeremy Grant heads to Denver for another first round pick. Uh, Jeremy Grant fits right in um, in a lot of ways with Denver, a team that, you know, because of Golden State's injuries, because uh, the Lakers didn't get their third star, because obviously there's still a lot of youth around Kawhi and Paul George and with the Clippers, like Denver's very much a contender, just like anybody else in the West at this point. So Jeremy Grant kind of comes in, helps shores up their defense, helps shores up, um, you know, maybe some inside scoring and some versatility. I mean, Grant, has already outplayed his uh, his three-year, $27 million um, contract that he signed with OKC last year, where he hit career highs in rebounds, um, in three-point shooting percentage, and scoring uh, points per game. So Grant is a rising, not star necessarily, but he's a guy that, that is, is very clearly seen as, you know, an athletic and versatile defender and shooter and someone who's a bit of a glue guy and, and great locker room guy. So I wish him the best of luck in Denver. I think Denver minutes might be a little bit more of a premium. I know he started 77 games last year for, for OKC. This year, I think he's probably looking at a uh, potential six-man role, depending on what happens to Will Barton um, and you know how healthy Paul Millsap is. Yeah, Jeremy's really uh, – not even like that sneakily, just kind of emerged as the best Syracuse player, and that's like – you can take that as a knock or like, uh, you know, we really need to get it together, but Jeremy's really good. Um, just like doing the little things, being a really good defensive player, being like a, an ever developing three and D guy. Um, he's going to end up playing for about as long as, uh, you know, Horace did. I, I think he's going to be in the NBA for a long, long time. I mean, I think Wes is even still bouncing around. So, um, but Jeremy's like, where is Wes? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not like retired. I think he's still somewhere. He might be contract fodder at this point, but yeah. Um, While you're talking, I'll find him. Yeah, I mean, he obviously played last year because unfortunately he was part of like maybe the highlight of the season uh, in the in a bad way. Um, but Jeremy's like a legit player; he's getting better every single year. Um, it wouldn't. I, I'm not going to say he's ever going to be like an all star, but like he's going to get a. I think whatever his next contract is, assuming he keeps on this upward trajectory, is going to be like really like solid. He's going to be a pretty well paid player. Um, and now he lands in in a, a very interesting competitive situation. Um, you know, I think you could argue that like maybe if he had stuck it out with OKC and wasn't part of this trade, which obviously wasn't going to be a thing because they got a first rounder for him. Um, he could have really been highlighted on a very like scrapped down to the bone OKC team. But I think Grant's going to be one of those players who's always going to be at his best when he's filling a role, playing a specific part of like a winning culture. And that's what he did. Even like these OKC teams weren't great the last couple of years, but they were pretty good and they were competitive. Um, and he was very, very important for them. So I'm excited to see him go to a, a winning place. Um, maybe, you know, Nuggets fans didn't, can take away some of the, the bitter feeling of their last uh, experience of the Syracuse player leaving town. Um, and they should be really, really good next year again. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume that Tyler Lydon did not heal the wounds. So maybe Jeremy Grant does. I forgot about it. I forgot Lydon was there. Um, <laughs> well, he's yeah, not there so anymore. I, <laughs> yes. Um, I think uh, I think Hilo with him and, and – uh, and uh, Nurkic will be, uh, or Jokic rather, will be really uh, fun to watch. Um, just because, like, I think they can be really comp- good complimentary players. And then Millsap is still there, right? Yeah, Millsap was actually re-signed or extended, one of those. Um, so he's back. Yeah, I, I mean, mo- most of that, if not all the team, is pretty much back. Um, which, which is why I was so, like, intrigued by this move, too, because, yeah, it doesn't necessarily plug Grant into what he was. Although, again, the, the big thing is going to be, like, do you, in a big lineup, do you put Grant at the three? Because, like, Barton played pretty poorly uh, for, for long stretches of the playoffs. Um, I think he can play a little bit of the three. I think he's more ideal at the four. Obviously, right. there's a bit of a log jam in the front court, but I think he his, his skills complement um, – what their other mix do because those two guys are such skilled mid men while Grant's more of like the athletic freak. Although he does, he is developing this three point shot and 
and we know he has a little bit more uh, in his in his uh, his bag. But um, I, I mean, I'm I'm very interested. He might not play that many minutes relative to like what his ability is, but that's not going to be because he's not able to. It's going to be because they're they're really deep. Yeah, I, I completely buy that. And you know what? Like, I think the Raptors prove that like assembling stars is great, but if you don't have enough depth to give those stars a break or if somebody gets injured, like that's where, you know, the, the rubber starts meeting the road. So I think Denver understanding that like you got to be able to outlast teams, especially in the, what the Western Conference looks like right now. I think adding Grant just makes their bench a lot longer. It makes everybody more athletic. It gives everybody more rest. And like that's the type of thing that can pl- pay a lot of dividends late in the season and into the postseason. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun to see the NBA this coming year. Um, for the first time since probably the first year the Warriors won, like there's no team that just feels inevitable. Uh, everyone um, looks like, you know, not everybody, but there's like a number of teams that could be competitive depending on how various things shake out. But it's, it's you know, it's even when they've lost, it's felt so much like Warriors or Boston, you know, if someone beats them, it's going to be this massive upset, including this year, where now um, – things just feel very wide open and I don't expect them to stay that way. I'm sure players will start to, to congregate a little bit again, but it should be a fun, a fun couple of years here until the 2021 free agency madness uh, hits. Um, and Denver should be right in the mix there. Uh, the West is going to be again, like incredibly deep. Um, I mean, if, you know, if you listen to any NBA podcast, like, they've all done like rundowns of like, well, these are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. You, you take out OKC, you almost definitely add in the Lakers and then, like, well, there's not a lot of other. There's not, I mean, there's not much more room here, and that's like, including like the Pelicans, who I think in a in, if they were the East, they'd probably be right in the heart of the playoff picture already, uh, assuming everyone's healthy, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The the, the Spurs, you know, I, I'm not kind of betting them to make the playoffs, whether or not they do make a lot of noise there. Um, it's going to be pretty wild next year, uh, and hopefully our guys will be in the midst of it. I think Dion's another one to watch. Um, I don't. I mean, he could very well be on the way back to OKC if uh, I, uh, where he was, where he really kind of broke out um, the first time. If they make that very long rumored Russell Westbrook trade, I think he could be one of the guys on the move. Yeah, I could definitely see Dion heading out of Miami. I mean, not that I didn't want Dion to have this contract, but we, I think we always knew that that deal was kind of like ridiculous. So it's not the uh, it's not the worst. Thing. It was just like. It's a lot of money. No, he got like he got more, probably above market. Um, the problem was like the Heat are were so desperate to not just scrap and rebuild, uh, which continues to be their their thing that they they kept all these guys that probably were. I mean, he probably would have gotten like a similar deal elsewhere, um, but like Miami just did that with a bunch of different people, Tyler Johnson, etc., and that just like wasn't going to ever be better than like an eight, a seven or an eight seed. Um, but maybe we'll now see we'll we'll see uh, Dion. Over in uh, OKC, he can finally have his own team, which probably did the detriment of uh, of uh, Shea uh, Dilgis Alexander. But um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Since he could end up in a number of different places, because it wouldn't be surprising if like a Westbrook trade was like a three or four team deal, and he could be heading somewhere. I think I mean Dion will be on a team next year. Um, unfortunately, like the injuries he's dealt with have not been kind. Right when he was really starting to hit his stride, because he was playing really good basketball. Oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, obviously, like, far from, like, a large-scale tragedy, but I do think it's a bummer to see, like, Dion's rise kind of derailed a bit. Um, speaking of things that are derailed, uh, Summer League, we'll talk about this very briefly because uh, Syracuse players aren't looking too good in Summer League. And uh, it's it's pretty disappointing. Uh, O'Shea Brissett's been kind of hot and cold, but he's gotten opportunities. Um, Tyus is not done a ton in the amount of time that he's been on the court. Uh, So I'm starting to get very, uh, not starting to get, I guess I am very concerned about uh, their chances to make a roster. Malachi uh, looked pretty good in one of the Warriors games, but uh, I think there's just too many, there's too many pieces and they're just competing for too much right now um, to take a risk on him. And I think that the Knicks, you know, even though they could probably use a shooter, um, I I think their roster is pretty full up. So Andrew White, uh, is probably not going to make the Knicks. Who knows if he even ends up in Westchester? So not not a not the best summer league uh, for former Syracuse players. Um, uh, I'm again de- definitely bummed about that, and I hope these guys do figure it out, um, even if it's not what the teams they're currently tied up to. Yeah, I think Tyus is the only one who had like a super open situation. Um, obviously, we thought Malachi's might be a little. 
uh, more friendly, but then them losing Duran actually probably made it harder um, because they have more room to work with. Plus they have the D'Angelo Russell trade, which takes away a backcourt spot um, for at least the time being. Uh, so yeah, like uh, O'Shea was always going to be uphill, especially after the Kawhi thing, because they didn't have to give up the, the whole uh, bench to, to get him, um, which is one of the reasons why that trade was definitely seems like a slam dunk for them. Um, White was always going to be uphill, especially with the amount of players that the Knicks have decided to sign this offseason. Uh, I'm sure you have more thoughts on that. Um, so, yeah, th- this was never, like, the greatest set of things. Battles definitely the most perplexing. At least are ticking up a little bit, but the production hasn't really been there. So hopefully he starts to get a little bit more of a chance because it's hard to, so far, inspires a lot of confidence in him getting a long-term shot there. Agreed, agreed. And uh, this last before we get to halftime, I uh, figured talk a little bit about uh, Syracuse running backs. I know on Thursday I'm also going to have an ACC uh, running backs uh, preview as well. We kind of contextualize where Syracuse is relative to the other teams in the ACC. Um, talk about some of the other great running backs in the league. But figured for our purposes here, uh, because sometimes we don't always stay on topic, um, Syracuse running backs, we lose Dante Strickland. But we gain uh, Abdul Adams for a full season, assuming he's healthy. I know um, April actually uh, was actually kind of crappy for, for Syracuse football, like quietly. Um, it's not something that was, has probably been talked about as much as it normally would be, where uh, we lost, you know, several players to like some potentially longer term injuries than we want. Uh, Dino says everyone's going to be fine, but, uh, you know, best laid plans and all that. Um, Sam Heckel was injured and, and missed uh, a ton of time in spring, as did Abdul Adams. Um, I think Adams might have been a little more precautionary. Chris Elmore, I think, is another one that we're going to talk about here. Um, you know, Elmore had the uh, the dreaded lower body injury. It was seen as a leg injury from what I remember Stephen Bailey saying uh, when he was at practice. And Elmore had surgery on it in April. So I do feel like that could potentially, uh, you know, mean some missed time. And if it does... Uh, that could potentially have a real uh, real negative uh, effect on how this Syracuse football team is able to run the ball, considering how key uh, Elmore was at, as a sophomore last year, really opening up those holes in the middle of the line. No, like you said, I think the, uh, the injury situation and just getting everyone on the same page and hopefully clicking uh, in ways where they weren't really injured here, but on paper, I'm, I'm really excited about this group situation since we had Jerome Smith and Frank Tyson Dolly probably with uh, the Moni and really consistent um, and should have a really nice senior year. So I think we're all extremely excited about it, especially after the little preview we got in the bowl, but we haven't even gotten to see like his full like open fields, crazy Oklahoma speed quite yet. Um, I think that duo is potentially going to be one of the best behind Clemson um, in the ACC. Um, maybe Miami will have something to say about that because they always have athletes back there, but I would struggle to say that they won't be like top four or five. Um, the offensive line will be key, and we do have some questions about that, which we've talked about a decent amount throughout the last couple months. Um, but if everyone's healthy, I, I think there's reason to be very optimistic about uh, the rushing attack in general, which has been an issue, um, but really starting to come around uh, midway through last season. Um, and and I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a real focal point uh, and, and a, a great strength and uh, that'll be huge for Tommy DeVito. Um, obviously, we have big expectations for him, and we're already seeing some publications um, ranking him right around the places where, like, Dungey was being ranked as a senior last year, just, you know, with a couple of games under his belt. Um, but if you have, like, a running game that Dungey wasn't really, you know, able to have besides what he provided on the ground himself, um, that's going to be a huge aid for a, a young sophomore quarterback who doesn't have a ton of experience, so... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. I think the offensive line is a bigger question than the bats themselves. I think the bats, we we're pretty sure will be uh, dynamic and able to produce. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on what, you know, Neil in particular can do. I think he was one of the you know more improved players in the league last year. And, and I think that what he was doing in between the tackles in particular was extremely impressive um, given his size and, and, and all that. Um, compared to you know some of the heavier players who I felt like were getting similar or even lesser pushes uh, between the tackles, I, I think Adams. You know we only saw glimpses of him in the bowl game, and that was largely between like you know right up the middle at the goal line. We had like I 
I, so I, I have faith in those guys. I really like what we've seen from Jawar Jordan um, in camp. I think Jarvian Howard put on, uh, you know, really good display of his talents um, at points last year. I think those four guys alone um, give us some nice depth, a good mix of speed and power. Uh, I think that the, the big issue, like you said, is going to be it's, it's, it's Elmore and his health, and then it's that line. Because if Heckle's hurt, then we potentially see, uh, you know, Aaron Surveys in, in the middle again. And, and not that, you know, he's a bad lineman, but uh, I think he's probably better served at offensive tackle. Heckle's probably better served at center. Like, who knows, like, how well, you know, Ryan Alexander fits in. There's just plenty of questions, and I think until we get answers – uh, to, to how well that line's going to look. Like, we don't really know how well this uh, these running backs are going to look. And like you said, too, if, if even if DeVito's very good, we're still going to probably be relying on the run game a little bit more this year than even last year, and the traditional run game, that is, because obviously Dungy ran a ton last year. So I'm, I, I struggle to put them in the top three or four. Uh, I, I think what Boston College has on its roster, what Miami has on its roster, and DJ Dallas in particular, should be very good. I think now that um, Florida State has an actual offensive game plan, uh, that should let Cam Akers loose. I think the big question for them is just going to be if they have a line, because if they don't, as we saw last year, it doesn't really matter if you have Cam Akers. Uh, Wake Forest probably relies on the run game once again um, and looked pretty good last year when they were doing it with Kate Carney kind of splitting duties with Matt Colburn. Colburn's gone, but Carney returns. Um, I put us, and I say this in the article too, I think I have us like sixth or seventh. Uh, which is still pretty respectable when you consider where we came from and how most of our time in the ACC, we've had a really bad run game. Um, I'll definitely take something in the top half of the conference, and I think it's something to grow on too. Yeah, it's also a pretty deep conference in terms of just like raw running back talent. Um, you know, of it, as you outlined, Wake Forest was underrated last year. Cam Akers might be the best. I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Travis Etienne, but he's probably the number two in terms of his raw talent and just really didn't get to show it last year because Florida State's offensive line was all-time bad. Um, but I, I, I still think we stack up, um, and we'll be able to run the ball with, with most teams, uh, behind the Ned Clemson, who is always just so loaded in every position and like, it's boring to talk about, <laughs> um, not boring to watch. They're very fun, but like, <laughs> there's only so many times you can be like, oh yes. And also Clemson's the best at this thing. It's like, yeah, we, we get it. We know. Yeah, as as the person writing about each ACC position group, I can tell you it's already getting boring, and I've only gone through two of them. Defensive line, defensive line comes in probably won't be the best in the ACC this year, unless they are. They still might be, but on paper, you you can as as you might be number two though. Not to put them there. I mean, that's we're doing a lot of love for defensive line. Not to jump on that early, but yeah, well, defensive we'll, line, we'll I'm, I'm excited about it as well. It's like it's 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 fun, like. It's actually, you know, you don't even think about, like, recruiting over the last couple of years, but then you realize, like, oh, yeah, the running game and the defensive line, two areas we've had such major issues at the beginning of Babe Ruth's tenure, are now potentially two big strengths. And that's really, it's just nice to see that, like, yeah, the coaches know what's going on, They've, they have a game plan, they're addressing it, uh, they're plugging in players in various ways between transfers and and uh, getting out Al Robinson uh, from, from Delaware and, like, and obviously regular standard recruiting. Um, it's just nice to see, like, you know, the coaching staff is able to to piece together things and, and find solutions, and it's really coming to fruition, obviously, over the last couple of years after uh, some some interesting lean ones to start. Um, and the running game is is definitely indica- uh, indicative of that, uh, especially with how they came out last year. And hopefully, that continues. I think we I think it will. Agreed, agreed. Uh, why don't we hear a little bit of uh, well, a little word from our sponsor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back uh, with some halftime. Dan, what have you been drinking? Uh, a couple new things over the last uh, week or so since we last spoke. Um, I was down in Jersey to start the week. Um, I had plenty more carton, which I talked about the last couple weeks, so I don't need to rehash that. But I also had uh, some Head High from Cane Brewing, another Jersey uh, brewery down in Asbury Park. 
Um, I was also able to find some Maine down there. I had their thank you, which is fantastic because it's Maine. Maine Brewing, everything's great. Actually um, going to have so that this coming weekend. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, my um, buddy was up in Maine and grabbed me a bottle. So Maine is basically one of those breweries where, like, I don't like always go out of my way to find it, but if a brewery, if a, uh, a bar has any main on tap, I will almost definitely order it. Like, even if I have had it semi recently, like if if lunch is on tap or a couple of like the other stand standards, like uh, it's just hard to avoid getting it. It's so good. Uh, and then earlier tonight, I had a couple things from Sh- uh, Schlafly, which is out in St. Louis, I believe. Um, I had their Kolsch, which was solid. Uh, I also had their uh, they had a raspberry. Uh, I forget exactly what it was, uh, but it was good. And then I also had Dogfish's Liquid Truth Serum, which was uh, delicious. A nice, like, not overly hoppy, pretty flavorful IPA. Very nice. On my end, I had a uh, Cashmere XPA from uh, Firestone's a Pale Ale of theirs. That was in their most recent variety pack. Um, I had a Stone Enjoy By 7419 Unfiltered IPA. I always like the standard West Coast better, but this was still fine. Uh, I went down to Beachwood uh, in Long Beach on Saturday and had myself a double dry hopped Ultra Hop 2000. That was super good. Another West Coast style. Had some more Firestone and Union Jack and Easy Jack. Uh, my buddy brought over a, uh, an STS Pills from Russian River. It's a Keller beer that's super good. Uh, that was actually, we were drinking that when we uh, experienced the uh, earthquake out here, which was. Uh, Mildly unsettling, to say the least. Um, also had a Modern Times Easy As Is Pretty Sweet, uh, New England IPA. Had a, And from Alesmith, had an eight-cylinder Speedway Stout. It was uh, vanilla, raspberry, and coffee. It was uh, really, really good. So highly recommend that if you can find it. It's probably only on draft. Nice. Yeah, the earthquake thing... I feel, I mean, obviously, I've, I've only been to the West Coast a handful of times, and uh, I've never experienced one out there. I feel like two or three times in my life, we've had very minor ones in this area, and every single time, I've been in the same room with people, and I have not felt it, and they felt it, and been like, whoa, and I've just not noticed. And it almost, like, feels like you're missing out, and then, like, I hear about this weekend, where obviously people who are way more used to them, as, as much as you can ever be used to them, um, got hit with that 7.1, and obviously, there didn't seem to be any real damage, but... Um, Probably didn't seem as like, oh, no, I, I wish I had missed that. Because uh, it does seem like everyone was actually like pretty uh, legitimately spooked by it. So glad everyone's okay. Uh, and hopefully we're done with those for a bit. Yeah, hoping so. I know there was a... Because the ones over the weekend were like rollers and they were like the slower ones. And that was kind of like the weird part because like they just kept going. And like at that point, you like kind of don't know if it's going to stop or if it's going to get stronger. Um, but yeah, I mean, around here, they said it was like kind of the equivalent of something in like the four and a half range. Cause like I'm 130 miles or so from where it happened, but because it, because it was so strong there and because, uh, it went pretty deep, uh, that's how you kind of end up with everybody from, you know, LA to San Diego to Vegas, you know, feeling the earthquake. Uh, but then glad it turned out all right. And you know, we had one last night that was a, a quick jolt one that was actually happening like, right in my town, which was odd because that's like the first time I'd ever seen that. Um, not like a major one or anything. 2.1. And you don't really feel a 2.1 unless you're like right on top of it. So we were pretty much right on top of it. So I, I'm definitely over earthquakes for a bit. One. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah, like for, for yeah, 2.1 is not really going to make the news even around here. Yeah, there's your uh, there's your annual earthquake science. Fault <laughs> lines and stuff. Yeah, that that would actually be that that should be the uh, the earthquake podcast. Those fault lines. <laughs> there's definitely an earthquake podcast. There's there has there has to be. I bet one of them is super popular and makes like a lot of money. I wouldn't doubt it for a second. Um, Speaking of earthquakes, uh, the Big Ten, which uh, it's, it's slow moving. Wisconsin football. Wisconsin football. It's slow moving. It can terrify you. It happens any time of day, whether you want it to or not, um, and you're forced to experience it's strangely it. Atta- it's strangely <laughs> attached to California. <laughs> yeah, all, all those things are true. Um, 
<laughs> then we're, we're going to try to talk about every team if we can, because this is, you know, one of the, the first Power Five preview we're doing. But obviously, like, there's certain teams we just don't really care about in any way, shape, or form. I guess to start us off, uh, question number one Can Michigan get over the hump with Ohio State this year? Yes. They can. They certainly can. They're being picked to do it by, I'd say, a, probably not overwhelming, but still a majority of people. And I would not be that quick to count out Ohio State. I just don't trust Ryan Day as much. And, like, you know what? Like, I, I, here's, I think that Ohio State beats Michigan, and I think Michigan still wins the division. Oh, that'd be really funny. I think Michigan fans would take it. Like overall, I think they like tell themselves <laughs> still be the pissed. because it's been so long since they beat Ohio State. They they like what was the last time? Last time we beat Ohio State was Luke Fickle, uh, the 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 like gas leak year for Ohio State after that big bad tattoo scandal that wouldn't even like make you know big news in, at this point. Um, what I'm trying to think of the last time they beat uh, Ohio State with one of their big coaches, it was probably like early Jim Tressel. Yeah, I honestly, thinking through it, like, yeah, same. Thinking through it, now the last time that they beat them at full strength is 2003. Yeah, so uh, is that one or two seasons removed from Ohio State's national title under Jim Chessel? Yeah, it's like two. Not great. No. <laughs> um, yeah, they beat the, the, the team that was between Chessel uh, and Meyer, um, they've gotten close to their credit. Like uh, last year wasn't close. Uh, no. The fire team really just wanted to give it to them. Um, but they've had a number of like close calls here before was the, uh, was the controversial first down. Um, there have been like good games and that's why what's kept the series, I think kind of afloat as a good rivalry and the fact that Michigan just, they both care a lot. Um, it's just, there's something, first of all, it, it's tough to really judge because so much is different with these two teams. Um, obviously, Michigan brings back a lot of guys, but they have to replace a lot of their still positions. Shea Patterson has been good, but not the game changer that I think people expected coming out of Ole Miss. Um, now, Harbaugh's offense has been very, very uh, uninspiring in terms of a college offense. And to his credit, he is supposedly handing basically the whole thing over to uh, Gaddis, who is a former co-OC at Alabama, was going to Maryland. He got poached last second by Harbaugh basically on the way to taking the Maryland OC job under Mike Loxley. Um, and he is going to install something what which should resemble the, you know, over-the-top, lot-of-speed Alabama offense that they've been running the last couple of years, um, kind of a Lane Kiffany offense. Uh, and on paper, that sounds good. Um, a, I, like, still want to see Harbaugh not controlling that offense too much and making it this ground-and-pound thing before I actually believe it. And I still, like... I'm not sold on Patterson being like the elite quarterback to really like turn that into a, a huge powerhouse versus Ohio state. And not to like make this whole preview about these two schools. Um, Ryan day obviously brings a lot of questions, although I do think he acquitted himself pretty well against, you know, admittedly pretty mediocre teams early last year. Um, but I think their offense looked better last year than it has in a couple of years. And I think Meyer, was kind of, I wouldn't say getting stale, because obviously it was his decision to hand it over today. But I do think Day had kind of unlocked something and is bringing something fresh to it. And Justin Fields might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. We, I mean, it's totally early to tell. But Fields, like, was the number two player in the country behind Trevor Lawrence, and it was close. Like, he was in the same tier as Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, he had a, a tough situation at Georgia, uh, being blocked by a very good quarterback in his own right, Jake Fromm. So if he lives up and Day... Uh, is really able to establish himself in year one, which is a big ask. Like, Ohio State, I think, has more still talent, potentially a better quarterback, a lot of defensive talent. Um, I get why people are, are, are bullish on Michigan. I am just very uh, dubious about it. That being said, like, we've seen Ohio State lose really stupid games. And, and you know, I, I think your prediction could be spot on. Like, Ohio State could lose a dumb 16-14 to 14 game to Michigan State like they do every so often, or – fall to one of the Big Ten West teams, and Michigan could still beat them, and Ohio State could still win uh, the conference if things break right, which would be like almost Shakespearean in, in how it plays out. <laughs> if Michigan like 
knows or like has some situation where they they think they can win the conference and somehow it doesn't work out or something the last week and still win that game it would be pretty it would be pretty hilarious to see them talking themselves into it being fine Oh, yeah. I mean, the situation I have playing out right now is Michigan's unbeaten going into the Ohio State game and loses to Ohio State. But Ohio State loses to Michigan State and Penn State, which is enough to give Michigan the division championship, but enough to also instill doubt, depending on who wins the other conferences, that like Michigan, I mean, I think a 12-1 and Michigan team, assuming they could probably beat Wisconsin in the uh, Big Ten title game, should be in a playoff, but... You know, that really depends on what happens in the SEC and ACC in particular. And maybe with Notre Dame. Yeah, like, for some reason, I shouldn't really... I shouldn't really care about the Big Ten missing the uh, playoff for the, you know, I guess it'd be the third year in a row. Um, last time they made it, Ohio State got absolutely shellacked by Clemson 31 nothing. Um, there is something funny to the Big Ten being this, like, you know, monetary juggernaut and like really well established and is like kind of, you don't really see the seams uh, in terms of like their game plan aside from like some dumb things Delaney's done. Um, and, you know, there are obviously big questions about the Rutgers and Maryland situation going on year, whatever this is now, six or seven. Um, and then them still missing the playoffs all the time, like more than anyone besides the Pac 12. Well, it's all because, I mean, you, you can draw a line directly to the jump to nine games. Which is funny because, like, no one told them they had to do that. And, like, people make fun of the SEC and ACC for, for not doing it. Or not really make fun of They're, like, you know, kind of prying at the, the leads for not adding the, the extra conference team. And I think there's, there's good reason to think we should add another conference game. But yes, I've got better ones. Like <laughs> hey, don't miss the playoff ever. Right. Granted, like, I, I guess it if... It hasn't happened. And I, granted, I guess if, 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 Clemson, if Clemson had lost to us last year, it would have been a little... It would have been, we still would have made it, but it would have been a little dicier. Just because Clemson... If Clemson had lost to Syracuse, Syracuse would have won the division and potentially won the conference, but still been a two-loss conference winner... That also got absolutely smoked by Notre Dame. We would have made the playoff, but would have would Clemson have made the playoff in that situation? Like, there's definitely been some. It would have been tough. It would have been a really tough decision between Clemson and Oklahoma. Um, I think with Clemson, well, I agree. Clemson a little more so. Um, Clemson would have not avenged their loss like Oklahoma would have against Texas. Um, I think, ooh, I don't know. If uh, It's really hard to just figure out what they would have done there. I think Oklahoma probably would have. I probably would have given them the edge, but it's hard to really know. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, I, you know, it's all hypothetical. But I do think, like, as much as I, I agree, you know, the, the SEC and ACC have done really well in the playoff era, I also would counter just a bit with, like, both conferences weren't just like the other two conferences. Well, just like the Big Ten anyway. Both conferences weren't too far from, you know, missing out on the field and, and, and the ACC in particular. Like, they were lucky that when Florida State failed, that, that Clemson was able to kind of jump up and take its place and actually not just become an ACC power, but become a national power that's been able to help, you know, kind of raise the brand profile of all the other um, ACC schools. And I don't want to just give the Tigers credit. They did plenty for themselves. Um, also, don't want to make this just an ACC podcast <laughs> when we have two of those um, in August. So I'll, uh, I guess I'll just keep going down the, uh, the Big Ten East here. Um, Penn State sucks. Uh, I think they're going to lose two games. They could very easily lose a third. Uh, that stretch they have in the middle of the season, uh, where it's Purdue at Iowa, Michigan at Michigan State, uh, is a bear. And I could see those two losses that I predicted coming in there. Um, end of the season's a lot more manageable, that Ohio State game. Um, is definitely a tough one too, but yeah, if I'm if I'm circling any two games that they uh, could probably lose, like maybe maybe not unexpectedly, but you know, like not like in an obvious way, like the Ohio State game, I think it's the Iowa game, the Michigan game. Yeah, the Iowa game is going to be. I think people are sleeping on that being uh, like they're in Iowa too, right? They're they're in Kinnick. Yeah, that place is obviously given teams. Really good Big Ten East teams, like absolute fits. Um, 
And Penn State, like, I think this is just going to be a reloading year for them. Um, Sean Clifford, we just don't know that much about. He's stepping in for arguably the best quarterback they've ever had in Trace McSorley. Um, I think Penn State's doing really well recruiting. Like, they're they're doing a nice job. I think Franklin's reloading there. I think this year is going to be a, uh, a decent departure. Now the question is if that's like they win seven games or they win nine games. But I think they'll be right in that range. I don't see them being that competitive with either Michigan or Ohio State unless, like, there are a lot of surprises. Yeah, I buy that. Um, another team, I guess, that's in a similar vein, Michigan State, they've recruited well. They've played ugly football, but it's, you know, ugly football that we're used to at this point. Um, there's obviously just, like, a lot of th- – this this conference continues to be top-heavy, and Michigan State continues to be the team that, like, is happy to mess things up for the, for the Penn States and Ohio States and Michigans of the world. Um, I don't think they do it this year. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think a, I think a, an okay Michigan state team can still go like eight and four this year and just like, you know, lose to four of Northwestern, Wisconsin, Penn state, Michigan, and Ohio state. Like you, you, you grab one of those wins and like everything else is pretty manageable because they ended up, they ended up drawing Illinois. They do have that at Wisconsin game. The Northwestern game is questionable. Like, I still think Michigan State, again, even like an okay Michigan State team, uh, probably wins at least seven, if not eight games. And we won't really have any other thoughts about Michigan State. They'll just be a team, and we'll move on, and they'll finish 23rd in the rankings. Yep. Their, their defense was, like, underratedly good last year for a very May year for them overall. But their offense was so pedestrian, and last year was just bad. And their answer to that, unlike what, uh, what honestly what Michigan did this year, um, in going and pushing a big name, and obviously Michigan State doesn't have the same level of resources, but they're a big program. I mean, they've been to a college football playoff. Like they're they're not nobody by any means. Um, their their solution was to literally just reshuffle deck chairs. Uh, they just kind of moved. They pretty pretty much just did like a weird like line dance with their offensive staff, and just everyone like rotated a position and. That's going to solve everything now because I don't know if their coaches are really uh, well cross-trained for some reason, but um, I know that didn't inspire much confidence in East Lansing from what I've seen online. I don't expect it to solve uh, for what was probably like a bottom third power five offense last season. Um, You know, maybe Lewerke, uh, their quarterback, being more healthy this year will help. That should help. He's had some moments. I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, And just overall, like, it's, it's hard to really get inspired with what they've looked like offensively for a couple of years now, uh, at least since that like playoff run. Um, defensively, they should be quite good again, as they usually are. But um, I think this is Michigan or Ohio State's uh, division to lose as usual, and hopefully that was a little more uh, close than it's been in a lot of recent years. But I'm not buying the, the like Michigan State sleeper hype that we've seen a bit. I think this is a two-team division. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State returns a lot on both sides of the ball is really like the main reason why I'd even believe in them. Um, Without getting too much into detail on the other teams in the East, uh, I think Indiana is going to be rebuilding. They could still challenge for a bowl by doing that. Um, I think Maryland, I think think everyone's split. I think either everyone thinks that Loxley is a great hire, everyone thinks that Loxley is a bad hire. Um, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, I Hopefully that doesn't mean that he can beat Syracuse because I'd very much like to be 2-0 going into that week three matchup. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about Maryland much. Rutgers, I know you and I mentioned like months and months ago that like we're kind of rooting for Rutgers this year, if only so that um, Chris Ash can stick around and continue to run this program into the ground. Um, This could be the year that he's able to show progress, even if it's not real progress. Um, this team doesn't return like a ton, but they return enough. Uh, the schedule is manageable-ish, depending on your perspective. I mean, I don't know, like a like a, a marginally improved Rutgers team, I think, can get to six. You know, you, you get UMass, Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota, Liberty, Illinois. Like, that, I mean, I don't want that to, I guess... I don't want that to happen because I don't want good things for Rutgers. But if Rutgers pulls that off, I mean, they'll probably be also receiving votes at like, what would that make them? Like six and three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only to get smoked in the final three games. 
Yeah, it's. I feel like their schedule's always so backloaded. And even, like, a couple of years ago when it looked like they might have something, and then, like, reality just set in super hard uh, when Michigan beat them by about 90 points. Um, yeah, like, it, you know, if they want to if they want to do uh, a, like, 07 G-Rob stuns Louisville uh, type deal, like, I wouldn't be opposed to that. If they want to, like, rise up and knock off Penn State by 20 out of nowhere and, like, Astro's, like, 4 and 8 but, but keeps his job, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with that. Like, I, I, yeah, um, I just, I just, I just want to face a bad Rutgers program in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I don't. We don't need them making like the sneaky like they happen to like land the the Mac guy du jour who wasn't quite ready to make the big big jump, but made like the jump he could and is really good. Like, I I don't have any interest in that. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sticking with our our like ideal of they they look like they have a legitimate improvement, but it might be a facade. Or at the very least, it's not nearly enough to be like an, uh, an issue for us next year. Fair enough. Yeah, I've got them. I, I I've got them at three and nine, but I could buy four and eight, five and seven. And yeah, I, like like you said, I think I think I think a four and eight with with a big win, or five and seven with a big win, I think that keeps his job somehow. Um, moving yeah, on, I can see that being very sneaky. Sorry. No, go for no, it. No, not sneaky. I, I could see them being like really uh, loath to move on from him if there's like any, just because of all the monetary issues they've had over the years. Um, just like wanting to give him every shot so that they don't have to worry about a buyout. Not that I think his, I assume at this point his buyout's going to be pretty reasonable, but I can see them like just giving him, like it's kind of like Illinois and Luffy, like just going to give him as long until like it's very clear he's not the guy. Although I think <laughs> Rutgers will probably have a little less patience. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, Illinois should probably have closed the door on the Levy Smith era before it started. Um, Illinois shouldn't be as bad at football as they are. It was but, really one of those that, like, is going exactly how everyone thought it was going to go right from the start. Oh, yeah, hilariously so. I think Levy's going to go 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight yet again, and everyone's going to be like, oh, wait, Illinois has a team. Cool. And, and then we're going to move on. another one that's recruiting, like, pretty well for they who are. they are. So if in Illinois too, four or five games, yeah, and they've stolen a couple guys. They've done like a little bit of what Purdue's done, gone down in Texas, and have been competitive for like guys in like Missouri, those areas where like they should be competing, um, and are like stealing like a, a very small handful of like four stars, borderline four stars. So if Lovey can show them something, I think um, they'll really want to like see about seeing that all the way through until it's very clear he's not the guy. Um, I'm still surprised they fired him last year. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't really see why you wouldn't. Um, I guess we're going from the bottom up on this one. <laughs> I'm just skipping. Indiana, but neither of us know a damn thing about Indiana football. So no, so yeah, we can just leave it alone. <laughs> um, in the West, I, I guess we start off with the same question that we did in, in the previous division. Dan, uh, who wins this division? Because I, I, I've seen I've seen more Nebraska hype than I was probably ready for. Um, and, and I think there's there's a decent amount of people who understand that I was going to be a pretty good team this year. Um, but I, I still struggle to find any reason to pick a team other than Wisconsin, provided they stay healthy. Wisconsin's the obvious one. I think I'll go with them. Um, not to be boring, I you could talk me into. I think you could talk me into Iowa. I think you could talk me if uh, talk me into Purdue, um, and I think you could talk me into Nebraska. Although I think the Nebraska hype is a little bit much. I get why it's happening. Uh, a, people are excited for that program to be good again, and I do think last year they just dealt with a lot of stuff that could have easily gone the other way, and they could have won six or seven games. Um, and but they're they not that numbers. much better. I just, yeah, I think the, the whole, like, oh, they're going to go 10-2, while I see the pathway there, it's asking so much for that team to jump up from 4-8 to 10-2. and two. And they've added some talent, and Adrian Martinez, I think, is really, really good, and I think by his senior year will be uh, a top-flight quarterback. I just think people are are anointing them a little before they're ready. And I don't, I'm, I'm like cautioning. I think Nebraska fans are actually really good, so I don't think they'll be too bad. But I think there'll be a segment of that fan base where if they go 7-5, they five, going to be disappointed. And they really shouldn't be. That'll be a really nice step forward in what I think is an increasingly tough, deep division. Yeah, I mean, other than Illinois, like every game is pretty tough. Like Purdue or, or Minnesota or Northwestern probably, probably finishes sixth. And all of those teams are, are seven and five quality um, at minimum. I think Northwestern's actually probably a hair better than that, um, especially after last year's surprise Big Ten West 
um, you know, championship. Yeah, and even like Minnesota might finish like sits in that division, but that team's so unique with how much they run the ball. They're they they're sneakily like one of the most unique teams in that whole conference. Um, that's I mean, it's not like you're not they're not an option team, but there's I think there could be kind of the same impact where if you're not ready for them, they can give you a lot of problems. Northwestern is just very steady, and even when they're not great, um, they can give you a lot of problems. Purdue. We saw they did to Ohio State last year. Rondell Moore is not going anywhere. He's maybe the best offensive player in the conference. Um, this the, just with how deep this league is, like it's going to be very hard for anyone to get out on state uh, on stands. I think even Wisconsin, if they're a step above, I don't see this being like a twelve or eleven and one Wisconsin year. I think it's probably more like a nine to three or a ten and two. Yeah, I mean Wisconsin. Really, their biggest uh, hurdle is just the schedule. Um, you know, it's you, really, you, really you, rough. It's really. really you have to go on the road at Nebraska and at Minnesota too in the division, but at Ohio State you had to face Michigan and you had to face Michigan State. I mean that's a really really tough draw um, cross division, and that's the type of thing that you know is as is, is we can attest as many other schools can attest like can just completely scuttle um, a really strong season because yeah, like even a really really good team loses at least one of those games. Yeah, and obviously they have maybe the most proven running back in the country, and a you know their offensive line. If you told me they were bringing in all five new starters, I'd still say they'll probably have one of the ten best offensive lines in the country. Um, but Jonathan Taylor is is really really good. Um, but they're breaking in a new quarterback who I think they are very excited about, Jack Cohn. He's still mostly untested, so to say, like former Syracuse target. Yeah, former Syracuse. I think he's from New York, right? He's from Long Island, maybe. That sounds about right. Um. So much generous on that. I think he's from the state of New York somewhere. I'm pretty sure Long Island. Um, but uh, like, just to pencil them in for like ten or eleven ones, I think is aggressive. They would be my pick. But like I said, you know, if if uh, Purdue gets more consistent quarterback play and their defense steps up, I think they're going to be. Uh, you can see trendiness there. Obviously, Northwestern. I think it's mostly being counted out, and uh, they they definitely lose a decent amount. But um, they just won the division last year, so uh, there would be a ton of shot. Like the only real shot would be Illinois. Um, obviously, Minnesota would surprise a bit, but you know we've seen them be very competitive. And if this league is like a big uh, tiebreaker situation at like eight and four, um, or like five and two in division, uh, or five, well, how many division games do they play? They're uh, six. Okay, oh, so four and no, are there six? Yeah, yeah. But it's conference, it's conference, uh, so it'd be six and two. Seven and two for them. Seven and two. I can't do math tonight. It's <laughs> it's fine. It's so hot in New York, guys. <laughs> that's that's fine. Yeah. So Jack Cones from Sayville, which is not too far from where I grew up, it brings us right back to Bagel Boss. Um, <laughs> full circle. Just, <laughs> full circle. Just a just a well scripted podcast. Agreed. Uh, also notable for Northwestern, um, for those who forgot, Hunter Johnson, the former five star quarterback for Clemson, uh, will be taking the field for them. Yes. Clemson yeah. has just turned out so many quarterbacks, half of which haven't even played for them anymore. And they just yeah, they have a surplus of them. Going back to Chad Kelly, like um, obviously he's like a punchline now, although he's still in the NFL somehow. Um, but like going back however many years now, they just continually get starting quality quarterbacks and have them like three deep on the bench. I mean, Chase Bryce did play, not again, not transitioning to Clemson. Uh, you're running out of time here, but like. Chase Bryce can start for most schools, as we unfortunately know. Um, so yeah, yeah the, the Big Ten West, like weirdly fun after a long time of not being that. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Dan, before we go, uh, who wins the Big Ten and against whom? Uh, I'm going to go Ohio State over Wisconsin, but I, I think the Big Ten misses the playoff again. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Michigan over Wisconsin, and I think there's a real chance that they, they miss the playoff, but I think Michigan ends up being the four seed um, with the others. Well, we don't even do this. Likely, I think it's more likely that if Michigan wins the division or wins the conference, they will be in the playoff than Ohio State, but I am picking Ohio State. Fair enough. So it's, it, it's a draw for once. I feel like we usually end up picking the same team. Yeah, and I might change my mind by the time we get to the season, but I, I'm sticking with my guns there. So uh, mark it down, and hopefully I'll remember that I said that on a podcast somewhere when it comes time to like, make my actual picks in August. Fair enough. Um, Dan, anything else before we uh, depart here? 
no, hope everyone has a nice weekend. Stay cool if you're in the Northeast because we are all of a sudden not thrown in the summer very quickly. Um, when are the first TBT games? That's next, next weekend? Uh, I think it might be the weekend after that. Yeah, I know for, for Syracuse, I think it's the weekend after that. But there might be some like early games beforehand. I'm not sure. I don't have a schedule in front of me. Yes, so that will be fun. Congrats to the women's national team. Uh, unfortunately, I had missed a parade this morning. It looks like a, a really good time. Um, yeah, uh, it decided it to get to like the actual slow part of the sports summer because the NBA kind of took that away for, for a <laughs> while. But we're now we're now in like the relaxing part for those of us who read about sports full time, where you know we can not worry about like crazy news breaking all the time weeks after like you know stuff happens, especially as Mets fans. We're we're you know we had our home run derby win. We're we're good. We're we're done for the year. Champions. <laughs> yes, we are baseball champions, asterisk. Don't, don't, don't ask what. Um, all right. Well, Dan, much appreciated as always. Uh, and for everyone else, uh, appreciate you listening. You can uh, check us out on iTunes, on Megaphone, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on a bunch of other places. We are in most of your um, podcast stores, uh, whatever app or, or website you use, and uh, go orange. Go orange. <laughs>